Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. First session in the a new series of spaces that we're going to be running. Um, In particular, this one here around uh, preparing for the UEFA C licence, the new release courses that have come over the last 18 months or so. Um, Over the next four weeks, we'll be putting together four different spaces sessions as well as a a penultimate webinar off the back end of that um, to support coaches in preparing for the UEFA C licence. Whether you've got a UEFA C licence or not, um, there will hopefully be plenty of things for you to kind of pick up on not only our insights and our experiences, but those of you that are in the room. So on that note, if anyone's got anything they want to ask, share um, or query, please feel free to raise your hands at any point and feel free to do that. Jared, I'll, I'll start off with you straight and throw it off the bat. Six capabilities. What's your understanding of them? And why should coaches begin to consider them if they're not ready? Yeah, I think it's outstanding, really. The, the work that Ian Bateman and, and those guys have put into to creating these. So you've got positioning, timing, techniques, deception, movement and scanning. Probably one of my favourites is scanning. And I just think it allows coaches to really think about the game and how you're designing decision-rich environments. So if we want skillful players, if we want players that are adaptable, problem solvers, players that can make their own decisions based on time and space, that can do things and they can play with disguise and deception, well, then how are we developing these qualities within them? Does the practice elicit those behaviours, you know, based on the design of the activity? Is it allowing players to to be able to look for information or not, as the case may be? So scanning in terms of, you know, looking at how often do they scan? When are they scanning? Why are they scanning? What are they looking for? So what are they looking for and looking at? Because if you're working on, let's say, a principle of breaking lines, but then you're really trying to hone in on the individual's player, uh, linked to their IDP, let's say. It could be anything, really. It could be their receiving skills. Well, those six capabilities, there's lots in there, isn't there? That's a, you know, that's a lot of detail. So the scanning, if it's receiving, what do they need to see before they receive the ball? You know, and that could be a challenge as well. Like that open question could be used in such a way to challenge the player to have to look for information from the environment. Or it could be, and, and I've used this many times, um, where it was, you know, 
how can you see both goals before you receive the ball? So straight away, what does that do to their body shape? You know, if it's the movement, if it's the positioning, you know, if you set movement, you know, what type of movements do they need to notice or what type of movements do they need to make in order to create space for themselves or the teammate? So there's a lot of detail here. There's a lot of directions you can go in. I'm excited to unpack it. What I would say is that this the capabilities is a useful tool to really help coaches laser in, zone in on some of the details that are needed for the player. Because, you know, for the team as well as the individuals, even if you went after one thing, so it might just be, do you know what, I'm running, I'm working on a practice tonight and I just want to get, I'm not at deception yet. I'm not at, you know, some of the other things. I just need to get the positioning right. That might just be enough in terms of positioning because, you know, positioning by definition is where are they, where are they, in relation to their teammates, so what, where players move from and, and to and when. So how does that relate to their body orientation, their their movement, where they stand? Well, there's a lot of coaching to be taking place there. Just in that alone, you're not even talking about scanning, movement, the techniques, all this type of stuff. So really, the six capabilities came about to try and not only one help coaches get better at developing skillful players and really being more purposeful at what they're looking at. But it actually helps create a, a useful guide in, in that these are the key things that players need in order to perform these actions, you know, these problem-solving skills. They're the, the top because if you haven't got movement, you haven't got positioning, techniques, the right techniques, uh, the skill to be able to make those decisions, the deception and so forth you're not going to be able to to play at the most optimum level. But I think for coaches, just to reiterate, even going after one of those capabilities is a lot of detail in itself. You could do a full session on it, you know, because there's just so much that you can coach. And I think it's a useful tool to, to really get coaches to think about, well, how am I designing these environments and, and these activities to elicit these certain behaviours? And are you actually going after certain capabilities? Now, of course, if you design a good practice, they'll all get work. But, you know, as you've given loads of examples to me, as before, you know, it's if you're running, if you're doing a, a session and you really want to go after a certain thing, there's a lot of detail you can go in there. So it's more depth versus breadth. So how, how deep can you go in these sessions? And just getting coaches to think about that, you know, the UEFA C which we'll talk about, is very much and it's, it's something that is right up my street. It's, it's fueling my biases, if you like, where it's whole part whole. You know, that's one of the methods. There are different ways you can run a practice in terms of the series of activities, how you do that. But the, one of the methods that we're sharing on the C licence is the, the whole part whole. And it's very similar across the world. You know, in France, it's global analytic global. You know, in New Zealand, it was game intervention game. Um, it's evolved now, but in US soccer, I was part of the the inception of the the educator team that developed this and rolled this out across the grassroots level in 2018. Um, in its inception, and it was play, practice, play. You know, where we're creating environments where basically they're playing more and the and they're developing more decisions within these game-like activities. Well, if you take that back to the UEFA C, that's it, isn't it? It's that we're, we're how are we developing these capabilities 
in these game-like experiences. So that's my understanding of it so far. And, you know, looking forward to to unravelling it a bit more with you. 100%. And I think, you know, it's probably just worth just reiterating um, what those six capabilities are. And, you know, I guess an easy acronym that they kind of, FA have developed to kind of go with that. And it's, you know, try to develop more skillful players. So try, meaning timing. Two, looking at the techniques. Develop, looking at deception. Um, more move, looking at movement and skillful, looking at scanning and then players looking at positioning. So there's there's six capabilities there. So again, just timing, techniques, <coughs> develop, um, deception, movement, scanning, positioning. Um, and I think you know you're quite right, Jordan. I think there's so many there's so many different directions you can go in. And obviously, I think the it should be really emphasised that these are not tools or methods that you should look into to take you away from the core skills of the game or looking at your in-possession, out-possession. It's just looking at how these different things actually influence and impact on each given moment of the game, if you like. So I guess, you know, from from that standpoint, you know, where do you suggest coaches maybe start with these things? Because obviously, you know, especially from my experience delivering UAFC and some of the coaches can be overwhelmed with how much information is really out there. And I think that's one of the key things to kind of really highlight for me in particular, that there's so much detail within the game itself that for coaches to be realistically looking at trying to unpack everything is just not it's just not realistic at all, is it? You know, so I think that's probably the first key message for me in terms of understanding, right, whatever you're going to go after, make sure you're clear on what you're going after. So if it is an in-possession theme or an out-possession theme or whatever else that might be, what element are you looking at? And when does that situation change? And what do maybe these six capabilities look like within that moment of the game that you're trying to coach? Um, and even more specifically, what does it look like for that player as part of that moment that you're trying to coach? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. I, you know, going back to when we did our course, the level two years ago, you know, we're talking well over a decade, was the old FA level two UEFA B part one. And it was very much a technique skill game. And there was a lot of information there, you know, and it was very much around a mechanistic approach, stopping the players every two seconds, breaking down the mechanics of a skill, layering it. So it was like a progressive practice. You start small, you get big. And there was a lot of game time, probably playing time, ball rolling time. But there was a lot of coach-centred behaviour. And I think the shift that we've seen now, the paradigm shift, is more, can it be more player-centred? Can we create environments where the players are doing more and they're solving the problems more? And we're just tapping into, you know, what did the player see and feel in that moment? Are we tapping into their perception and, and their experiences? And when I reflect on when I did my level two, all those years ago, to what they have to go through now, you're right, like it is a lot of info. There's a lot of info on YouTube and, and Twitter and all these type of things. But I think the best place to start with, where it's simpler to when I did it, at least that's my reflection, when I did my level two, I was overwhelmed, was I think now you've just got the base of, well, what's the practice type? Because the, obviously for the UEFA-C, it's mainly whole part whole, but you've got different approaches. You've got that practice spectrum of most coaches might be comfortable with the unopposed route. You know, it's not my preference. Um, we've talked about this on many uh, uh, spaces, haven't we, both me and you? But if that's where they're at in their journey, 
then it's understanding, well, what capabilities are included in that design? Well, you're not going to get scanning if it's a passing drill and it's, you know, player A passes to, to B, to C, to D, and you follow the pass or whatever it may be. I don't need to scan to know where I need to pass to because the decision has already been made for me by the design of the activity. So the players are just forming bad habits. You know, they're playing off a cone, which doesn't give any information. Um, they're just receiving and playing the way they're always facing. You're always going to end up spending more time coaching the drill than you will coaching anything else. So if you're talking about developing, you know, and coaches will try and do this, they'll try and force things in and they'll go, oh, we got to, you know, I want you to check your shoulder. Well, you can tell me to do that as a player and I can look over my shoulder and do that action, but that's just, you know, bad acting really because it's not looking for the sake of looking. It's knowing when and what you're looking for. And you don't always have to turn your head. It could just be a slight movement of the eyes. But how are we guiding their eyes? How are we guiding the player's attention? So, you know, if it's an unopposed activity, out of the capabilities, which one are you really honing on on poorly, but you're probably honing in on technique? It's going to be very difficult to coach realistic timing and scanning and things like that because it's an isolated event. But now if you're going into an unopposed of interference, well, that's different because now you're touching on slightly scanning because there's lots of chaos, right? And there's loads of players moving around and there could be multi-balls and they're passing in and out of each other without touching each other. So now you're getting players passing the ball and, and having to deal with the threat of not bumping into each other. So they've got to think about the timing. They've got to think about their movement. They've got to think about scanning to some degree. And then, obviously, the more you take that towards a, a game, whether there's a an overload or an underload game, if it's matched up or not, if it's a um, a full full sided game or whatever it may be, then you're getting all the qualities in. So I think for coaches, where to start is well, what's the practice type that you're going after? Because certain practice types will lead more towards certain capabilities than others. And then it it comes back to well, you know. What are you sacrificing? Because you might sacrifice some, but if you've got the rationale for why you're doing that, then maybe that's okay, you know. And and then I think for coaches to really simplify it, why not just try and look through the lens of the players and try and see what they're doing? So if we're working on, you know, being able to play forward, we want to play forward. We want to develop players' confidence at breaking lines and looking forward. Well, designing a directional activity where they have to do that and they have to play forward in, and it could be through horizontal zones or, or whatever it may be, a target player at the opposite end or whatever. Whatever the rules and conditions are involved in the practice, that then starts to make it more goal-orientated, right? And then more focused around looking for those actions. Then you can start to think, well, what capabilities can I really hone in on? So all capabilities should exist, but perhaps I'm only really going to go after the timing, the timing of the movements to receive, or it could be, uh, you know, it could be the position, it could be, could be, because a lot of these things will have a direct impact on the techniques themselves. You know, most coaches will try and focus on the techniques, the weight of the pass, 
the accuracy of the pass and so forth. And, and I'm not to say that those aren't important because, you know, perhaps they are. But I think what we should be recognising is that if the body shape isn't right or players don't know what they're looking for, if, that, if I haven't made eye contact with you, Yaz, and I just kick the ball aimlessly and there's no thought, well, two balls might, if there's a multi-ball practice, two balls might end up at you at the same time. Or if there's a small-sided game, it's just one ball. Again, if you've got your back to me and you don't know I'm passing to you, if there's no eye contact or I've not recognised the trigger, the cue for you to make that run, I don't know whether to play into space or not. I might take an extra dribble. And that and there's your coaching points. So I think that's okay. And these are fantastic opportunities. So these mistakes should almost be embraced because these are now your coaching opportunities to ask really good questions or perhaps giving some guidance to the players. And if it's, let's take that as an example, the timing, why not just go after one capability? So when 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 do you decide when to make that movement or whatever it may be? What is it you're looking for? And then that might be enough for today in tonight's hour 90-minute session. And I think what you do is you're building the layers for the players. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Yaz, but that that's where I would try and, you know, and as you get more experience, of course, you can start to coach multiple capabilities across different players um, and get to know your players, of course, you know, who needs what. But I think in the interim, it might just be maybe you just go after one within the practice. But how does the practice type elicit that behaviour? Yeah, and no, I think there's some great points there. And I think, you know, as you're talking through it, I think it is important just to kind of reiterate and stress, you know, there's a lot of information in there. And more specifically, with the way the qualification changes, you touched on it there in, in terms of the, you know, the old level two that we did many years ago. Um and it just got me thinking that actually, do you know what the six capabilities can do for coaches, whether you're at the UEFA C kind of level or whether you're about to start the course, whether you've progressed way beyond it, is it can serve as almost a framework for your observations. What lens are you looking through? What are you looking for? What you you know, if if, if there's something going on in a game or if whether you know whether it be a positive thing or a negative thing, if you like, an area for development you can almost use the six capabilities to start to kind of assess and identify where there may be some successes and where there may be some potential breakdown or adjustments needed. Um, and these, these could be very, very subjective and individualized for your players, of course. And I think, you know, long gone are the days where, like you said, you know, where we did our level two and it was very much, this is the way to coach. It was very technical. It was very um, heavily focused around the coaching behaviors and heavily focused around the information that we were given, but also, you know, I think it'd be fair to say that back then there was almost a, we were closer to a one-size-fits-all approach in what technique should look like or could look like. I think the, the, the benefit that we've got now in terms of the way the qualifications have moved, we've almost gone to a point where it is so individualised. It is so specific and unique for every single individual on the pitch. But it's almost, if you look at it as a, a framework, like I said, an observational framework in which you kind of look to assess and identify and observe what your players are doing, what they're not doing, what they could be doing, what might what might be causing them problems and what might be getting them some successes and use it as a as that observational framework to build your bank of knowledge and understanding as to what might work well and what needs further development. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest challenges that maybe the coaches of today coming through now are facing is you know where do I where do I learn this stuff where do I observe this stuff 
and it's less it's less about where but it's all it's more about how i think so that's where i would go with it in terms of the six capabilities and how, and how they can maybe impact and influence but i think you make some great points there Jared, in terms of you know how the you know the nature of the practice or the design of the practice actually supports and maybe exposes some capabilities over over others in in recognizing that you know as an example, if you're looking at technique, you, you might you might actually be focusing more around, you know, the unopposed element. You might actually be doing a whole part hole, and you know it's interesting because whole part hole, in my opinion, and it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this. I think if done if done well and if done correctly, in my in my opinion, is actually probably the most challenging and skillful thing you, a coach can do. In the fact that, you know, let's just explain what whole part hole is for you know for people that maybe aren't aware or, or, or are new to the term, if you like, but it's where you almost go in from a game, a game-like practice, move it into a sectioned element of, 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 of training, whether that be based on direct observations of what's happened in the game. And typically that's the way it should be done. You know, you observe something that's happened in the initial game element of the practice that you've put together. You break it down, you pull it apart support the players around their understanding and and experiences around that and then move it back into the game element that you initially started with so that you can see hopefully some sort of transition and progression within that. But I think the challenge comes is when you as a coach are designing a whole part, whole session and you've already decided what the part's going to be. Because I think that that's the skillful part that I'm referring to. And I think if done well and if done correctly, in my opinion, that you know it's actually an extremely skillful, um, or an extremely skillful quality that a coach can hold into. In the fact that you might go in there thinking that the part is going to be A, but actually, as you observe the initial game element, the part might actually need to be C or D or even E. And have you got, have you got? you know the adaptability the variability the experience knowledge and the insights on what those six capabilities may or may not look like for each each one of your players and as a group as a whole to then be able to come up with a different practice to suit the part that's actually needing diagnosing or support within that game element i don't know if that makes sense gerard but you know it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that and what your what your you know if if there's any way to maybe simplify that further for any coaches that might not fully grasp the message of what i'm sharing there yeah, I mean, it, it's funny when you, you talk about it because I think as a simpler way for people to start off in the journey is perhaps to have the predetermined part because depending on who you are as a coach, I think you've got to develop your library of sessions. You know, me and you could probably walk up right now, not plan a session, and we can do it off the cuff, but it probably is planned because there's X number of years' experience if we got told put on a session right now or step in, we could do it off the cuff because we'll just pull a session out of the hat, which we've done a thousand times. And we've got a library and we know what we do. Depending on where you are in your journey and if you're starting out, you might not have all those sessions. So that's where they tend. And it's hard because I've seen so many coaches try and search online and I get it for all these activities. But you know, where I developed my knowledge and it was really bloody hard at first, like really hard. But where I got better was watching the game. The more I watched the game and, and just watched certain situations in games, I used to draw my activities based on that. And I know that's going more towards the higher licenses, but that's where I went with. I'd actually start to go, well, this is an action that's going on here. Who's involved? How can I design that? So it looks like some of the activities based on the players that I've got tonight. 
And that's where I used to go with it versus copy and pasting a, an activity off the internet, you know, and trying to replicate that with the players that I'm working with. It doesn't necessarily work. I think going back to the... Uh, sorry, I see your hand up. Give us one sec. Is going back to the um, the whole part whole. I do think you know, and this is just me talking. Might not work for everyone. When I went through this, I, we used to do it where there was two ways. We used to do whole part whole. We used to view whole in different ways as well. So the whole would be a game, right? I'm talking about a Rochdale. So it would be uh, a game full activity straight in. A, it could be small sided games. It could be. You know, they come in, it's like an arrival activity. It could be 2v2s, 3v3s, it could be a full game. Then we'd, we'd strip it back into a part practice and then we'd finish with the with the game, the larger version of the game. I think the couple of considerations to think about there is that um, one is that the whole, well, what does the whole game look like for them? So, for example, Lemby's side is obviously from U13 upwards. That's the full game. So if you're talking about a nine-a-side player or a seven-a-side player, that's their full version of the game, 7v7 or 9v9 or 8v8, depending on what structure you're in. So you've got to think about that, and then how does that strip back? Um, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The other thing is we used to view Hole differently in some of the clubs I've worked in. So Hole didn't always mean, and I learned this when I was doing my PGC, it didn't always mean like the entirety of a game action. It could also be the skill performed under full pressure. So we're working on breaking lines. We're working on, you know, Dan's ability to to play forward quickly. Well, it might be that we're putting him in that situation straight off the bat. You know, that is your function. It's straight into a, an opposed practice with pressure straight into it. Directional activity. That's the whole and the part was a lesser version of that. So not it, it could be unopposed, more likely it would be opposed, but it would be less difficult. There'd be something variable where it's less or more, depending on what his needs are. And then it'd be put it back into the context. Um, I've done situations where, like you say, the best coach in the world, 100,000%. Well, I look at a lot of the sessions I do now, they're probably all what would fall under the category of a whole part hole or a play practice play. More often than not, they would. Um, and I, I typically, and I've done it for years where we used to, you know, do the first bit, observe what were, what's going wrong or what could be enhanced in that first hole. And then we would then, like you say, co almost co-design with the players what the part bit could look like and then finish. But the challenge with that, as you can appreciate, Yaz, is that takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of experience. It also takes a lot of experimenting and getting it wrong, getting it right. What works, what doesn't. Not every coach is going to be there to be able to to go straight at that. You know, especially a lot of the coaches I work with. Some could do that. Some nowhere near could they do that. They need to have it planned, especially if you're talking about you know managing load and things like that. It needs to be managed. They haven't got time to 
mess around or move goals around or whatever. They want the transition time between activities and their interventions to be minimal. So then that way it's all about impact for the players. So a lot of the time it is predetermined. Um, I don't think that's a damage either. I don't think there's an issue with predetermining it. All it means is that you're designing full game experiences for the players instead of them going from something where it's isolated and there's there's long breaks. In theory, they're getting a whole experience of the game, you know. So those are my two two cents really. And we used to do whole part hole a lot, uh, and I've seen it done a lot in a lot of environments. And I think it's probably one of the better coaching methods. And you know, I remember years ago, guys saying, "Oh." If I only had an hour, I would just do whole part whole. And I remember getting hooked on that. And then I thought, well, actually, no, like even an hour and a half or whatever, I'd still do whole part whole because it's just a great format. But yeah, sorry, as you got your, your hand up. Yeah, no, I was just really going to say that <clears throat> you, uh, when I put my hand up, you, you were touching on a point about, you know, the, the part and different practices. And I think even that is one of the things I'd, I'd really highlight for coaches here is that there is some practices that you will do that you know work. Stick to those and just look to develop them rather than always coming up with new practices. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I learned, you know, within a, within a couple of years of starting my journeys, you know, even to the point now where I probably only have about maybe seven, eight, max nine different kind of templates of a session, if you like. But they're so multifunctional that they allow me to work on so many different things within it. And I think the key kind of thing that's really allowed me to get to that point and help me understand how best to go about doing that is as an example, if, you know, I, I use a phrase, you know, just cause it looked, just cause you, just cause you, just cause your practice involves passing doesn't mean you're working on passing. I.e. does the passing that you're working on within your practice look like it would in a game. And if it doesn't, then your practice probably isn't serving its purpose and or its or its maximal benefit, in my opinion. And you know that's probably one of the things I'll just really kind of highlight and reiterate off off the back of what you said as well. In that, yes, with time and experience, you you know you probably can do things a little bit off the cuff, but you also understand that as time goes on, the more practices you're developing and the more you more you're trying to come up with new sessions, your players also have to learn these sessions again. Every time you go out there with a new practice, your players have to learn the practice. But if you've got practices that already work, why not use them as a basis and a foundation just to layer some more detail, layer some more information on top of it? If we go back to the concept of what we're talking about here in the six capabilities, you'll have practices which work on all six capabilities, but you might just shift the focus on each one, not changing the practice, but just moving from one capability to the other or even building on it further by linking capabilities together for her players to understand what it could look like for them each given moment within the context of the game or even the practice itself. So, I mean, that, that's, that's why I had my hand up initially, but um, I, I think there's some great points here. And I, you know, I'm conscious we've got people, you know, people putting their hands up and, and questions come in and as well. So Paddy, I'm going to bring you in. Um, good evening, mate. Happy new year. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How you doing? Um, Jared, I was just wondering, I mean, if some of the people, are probably doing like newer courses and I, I'm not really familiar with the new UA for B because I did it separately and did the youth award separately. And the youth award basically covered a lot of what you just spoke about, but now people doing the new courses, are they, are they getting 
you know, details on kind of the youth award mixed in with the UEFA B? Pretty much. I mean, there's a bit more to it, but the UEFA C now has totally changed. And it's a lot of the stuff that I covered and Eula covered on the Mod 1, Mod 2, where we talked about the environment and all this, the youth award stuff. Mm. They're getting now within the UEFA C. So they're okay. getting practice types, they're getting... Um, you know, developing players, the environment, challenges, they're getting all that type of stuff, really, which is good. And then it evolves because one of the coaching models for the UEFA C is talking about transformational coaches. So, like Yas said earlier, that the FA, we want more skillful players, we want inspirational opportunities and transformational coaches. And within that, they've got this sort of development of the the player, the environment, the tasks, the relationship and so forth. And then mm. how that evolves into, you know, and, and it's changed as well. Like a lot of the coaching styles now are typically Q&A, observation and feedback more than ever. Um, and then when it goes to UA4B, then we're looking at more different types of practice activities again, but it's uh, it's just building on the UA4C, so it's it's less about whole part whole. It's more about um, units, position specific, you know, print, your principles, um, player profiles, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Cheers, mate. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anything you want to add on to that as well, Yaz. Yeah, no. Just I think what I would say is not specific to the courses themselves, but just a, a, a challenge and uh, I guess a. Yeah, uh, something to think about as, as coaches is that it is definitely more down the Q&A, guided discovery kind of route nowadays. However, I think it it needs to be stressed and highlighted that command-style coaching, instruction, co- instruction-based coaching is still an effective method. And I think it's important for coaches to understand that as I, if I'll go back to what I was saying earlier about using the six capabilities as an observational framework, use them as that. If you don't have the answers to certain things, doesn't mean you just just throw questions at the players and hope that they come up with a good answer um, or one that sounds good to yourself. I think it's really important that you get to a point where you don't have to tell them how to do things. You don't have to tell them what to do specifically, but you need you probably need an understanding of what the outcome is that they're going after and where possible. I think I think it's really important for coaches to identify a way for them to achieve that. It doesn't have to be the way, it doesn't have to be their way, but I think it has to be a way to achieve it because that serves as a foundation for for players who might not have an understanding of how to go about achieving certain things. And I think if you have an a if you have a way, that could also potentially guide and lead your questioning and uh, um and your interaction with the players. But I think it's really important that on that in having a way in your way of doing things that you don't go down the route of asking questions which lead players specifically to that outcome because that's another challenge that I've also witnessed coaches uh, fall into in that they'll use Q&A, they'll call it Q&A because technically speaking it is, but really they're just asking very closed and direct questions which take the players in a specific direction that might not really allow them to take full ownership of their own processes and their own development if you like um yeah i'm not sure what, if you've got any thoughts on that jordan yeah not to go off on a different topic but when it comes to feedback as you know i'm doing it as my doctorate and it's an area that's of interest to me augmented information 
it's I think you know the last point you made around the questions and what have you it got me to remembering a, a quote from one of my recent studies where one of the guys basically said he feels that we're becoming the riddler and we're asking too many questions and things like that and you're right you know I can ask a question but really I'm telling you the answer anyway if it's closed um, I think there's there's value in skillful questions and, and knowing how to ask the question. But that said, I, I do think we've got to be caught carefully cautious with over-prescribing instruction. I know your point was, you know, there's a place for it. Uh, my concern is that if we're always telling them an answer, well, that's our answer to a problem. But as we know, the game is so unpredictable and forever changing and dynamic that the same solution won't work every time. You know what I mean? And and obviously, the, we don't want to develop a dependency upon that feedback because the minute we're too directive, it's like anything, isn't it? You've got to be careful of the dualisms. You can't be over this end or too much on this end. If we're too much, you know, giving them answers, the, the problem there is that the players don't have to look for information. Instead, they're just going to rely on us to, 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 to figure it out. And my thing would be that if you're going to use direct instruction, how can you lead with a better question after? So it's not to say that you can't tell people things, because sometimes you may have to short-circuit the decision-making process and go straight into that execution, if you like. And that's fine, but then it's recognising, well, if I've short-circuited it, can I at least get back to perception? And can I lead with a question so it helps them understand why? And they're able to connect the dots because if players aren't able to connect, there was a statement you made there, Yaz, which I thought was really interesting. It was it's a good statement where you basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but you said, you know, it, it's um, it's very effective. And my question back is, well, for what purpose? Because if it's direct instruction to for them just to do what I want them to do, which is, hey, go stand over there and receive like this, or go pass the ball forward here and do that, and then they model that, is that effective? You know, now it might be that they're... Because the problem is, is that a lot of players, they're becoming almost like these... Um, it's not a script, obviously, coaching. It's not a recipe. We don't want them to just regurgitate or repeat, model what we say and do. But actually, how can they become better at adapting to changing environments? So if the coach wants them to just be a, a model, then perhaps it is effective. But if we want the players to develop the schools going back to the capabilities, if we want them to understand the timing or the positioning or the, the interactions within the environment, then we need to connect the why. So every time we're doing coaching, I feel that there's a, a, a better opportunity to lead with a, a question where it's, hey, what, you know, because we're asking them, what does this look like for them? So you're tapping into their perception. So the example I gave before, it could be, you know, how can your pass or your dribble eliminate two or more defenders in this situation? So that's straight away, the players have to search for information. I'm not telling them to play through and split. I'm not saying to, they can't go over. I'm not saying they can't run with it. I'm asking them, how can you eliminate two or more defenders here? Or it could be, how can your how can your movement create space for yourself or your teammate? Don't tell me, show me. Because I think often with the question piece, we're playing a little bit of bingo with the players. 
where it's like, what's the right answer? Bump, you got it, well done. Well, they can tell us all the right answers, but they can't bloody do it. <laughs> so we've got to create environments where it's don't tell me, show me. So we ask a question, but it's a, it, it could almost be a rhetorical question. It's like, this is a challenge. I'm ch the question's a challenge where I'm just like, go show us now in the next bout. Show me what that looks like. And that, that's what I just wanted to add on to that. Yeah, and no, I think there's some good bits in there. And I think just to kind of um, build on that further, you know, when I'm talking about making it effective, if you make a great point, it's what we what we trying to be effective with in, in, in the fact that we're giving instruction. And I think for me, there is times where, you know, you want to be direct, you want to be, you know, straight to the point with them and you want to see certain modelled behaviours and, you know, it might be more, it might be something that you do more in a game if you want to see an immediate reaction or immediate thing. Um, but I think it's always, once you've seen it, and once you've seen them enact your, you know, your instruction or, or you know, you respond appropriately to your guidance, it's then going that one step further and clarifying the understanding as to as to why, you know, and even whether that be, you know, you asking them an open question, so you know, well, why might I have asked you to do that, or whatever else that might be, or why might I have told you to do that even. Um, so I think that's one 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 aspect of it. I think the other the other piece is, and something that I often look to do is rather than, you know produce the process for them i just direct an outcome this is what we're looking for similar to what you just suggested there really in terms of you know can you make this type of pot you know can you make can you show me what it might look like to make a pass that they can get there within two touches or something like that um or more specifically or, le or less specifically rather and keeping them more open to interpretation and they're they're them having ownership over the situation might be right we're looking to switch play can you show me and you know can, can you help me understand when we might decide to do that and what that could look like in, in action. And, it, you know, just you're giving the outcome, you lead them towards an outcome, but you kind of allow them to decide on what the process looks like. So I think that's another great way of doing it. And, you know, as you were speaking, it kind of just takes me back to that phrase that um, that I've been using recently, which is, you know, as coaches, are we looking at the game through our, or our eyes or their experience? You know, not only, not always assuming that we've seen something that's, potentially looks like a problem to us but doesn't even consider he's not even considered a problem to them or maybe the, the you know the complexity of the problem that we're identifying might be completely different on a scale that when, when they've identified it and looked at it themselves and I think even going back to the concept of what we're talking about here in terms of the six capabilities you know we talked about scanning earlier and I think it's really important to understand is this even within that there's so many different bits right it's, it's not just what they're scanning for, when they're scanning, how you know what, what what does a scan actually look like? Well, if they if they're obtaining the relevant information to them in that moment, then if the scan's been effective, isn't it? Um, whether, but you know, it's obviously the decision making off the back of that is them understanding a what what are they scanning for? What actually has an impact? You know, and as I talk about all the time, are they aware of the variables which can impact and influence on their ability to perform an action or or, or a decision? those are the things that we need to be scanning for, we, you know, whilst we can maybe shed some light and shed some insight on what those things might be, fundamentally it's, them, it's for them to decide whether those things have a direct influence on that ability to make a decision or execute an action. So I think those are just a few things that kind of came to mind as you were speaking there, Gerard. I'm not sure if you've got anything you want to kind of build up and develop on further, but just probably worth as well just letting everyone know you know, just reminding everyone, sorry, that there is a, this is a CPD um, session that we take, that we are doing. Um, you can qualify for an hour CPD as part of, um, 
the English English FA accreditation. So if you if you do want to access that, Gerard would be great great time to maybe share those inf- share those details as well. Yeah, I'm going to share a link to the self reflection tool. So if anyone's looking to use this as a opportunity to get some extra CPD points added onto their fan profile, uh, basically you're going to fill in a, a short questionnaire where you'll input your fan number. You'll uh, answer the self-reflection around, for example, it could be what the key takeaway message is for you or what you're still unsure about. There's no right or wrong answer. Once you complete that short self-reflection, which takes less than two minutes, then uh, that'll give you up to the accredited one hour as part of the, the CPD. So, no, Yaz, I'm, I'm uh, just thinking out loud that, you know, there's loads of stuff here, isn't there? I mean, just going back to the capabilities piece, I... Uh, it's made me realise even more, I know we said it earlier, but how practice design plays a huge part in this. You know, especially as you were talking there, I just got to thinking of the UAPC content and, you know, there's no accident that on day one we're, we're talking about principles, but then we're talking about the practice spectrum whilst we're giving a focus on the, the six capabilities. So I think the, the design of your activity will have a huge impact on the capabilities, whether you're able to develop scanning or positioning or movement or timing or so forth. I just think these are such a, a useful tool, even at my level, our level, where we're both a licensed coaches and, and working at different levels, you know, I still could relate to this a lot, where I could be designing a session around, uh, I don't know, it could be defending, it could be pressing, but and I've got my, my sort of session goals, if you like, my intentions. But I could be looking at, well, what's the position of this player? What's the timing of their movement? The move, all this stuff. I, I think it's it's great to elicit your coaching points and make your coaching more impactful, more effective. So I'd almost layer that. How can you link your practice activity to the capabilities? And then when you design the and decide on a capability you want to go after, how can you use that to be really intentional around what it is you're looking for? So if it is positioning or if it is movement, how does that allow you to see what you want to see? How does that influence your coaching position so that you can be more interactive in, in your coaching behaviours? Hundred percent, and like I said, I, I just probably the key message for me just to kind of reiterate for everyone is, you know, the six capabilities are a great way to kind of just have an observational framework around what you're going after within the session. But whether you're a level one coach, whether you're someone who's currently embarking on the UAFC, or someone who's completed it, or even way beyond, it, it literally can just serve its purpose as being an observational framework and understanding right if there is something that you're looking at, how can you be more deliberate and intentional as you put it there around what you're looking for, why you're looking for something and, and what impact and influence that has on your on your players as individuals and as a group. So, you know, in one given moment, as an example, it could be one player's position that you're exploring, but actually it's someone else's timing at the same time as that. So, you know, and then as co-coaches, if you're working together with someone else, you might actually then go, go ahead and actually explore it through the concept of different capabilities. And then, or even might even just co-coach in a way that, you want to explore the capabilities, but you might specifically look at the in possession and out possession, and we might just be tackling timing as a general concept, the concept of what you're going after within that session. So, I think there's so many different things to think about. Um, 
hopefully this means some food for thought there for coaches to think about in terms of where or one what the six capabilities are if they're, if they're new to it two how it might serve its purpose and how it might add value to what they're currently doing but and even just linking into what you said as well Gerard about the practices and more specifically the type of intervention that we're going with when we when we do then you know decide on what it is that we're going after whether that be six capabilities or anything else so those would be my, the final points for me really but I don't know if anyone's got any specific questions or any um, thoughts they want to share or add or experiences they want to um, share with us as well before we look to wrap up. Well, I think that's it, Gerard. Then, you know, if, if, if no one else has got anything to share, um, Gerard, maybe just a, a signpost again just regarding the link and how to access the CPD hours. Yeah, just populated that in the chat. So uh, anyone who's looking to do this to get some hours for the FA CPD, there's a link there. Go to it, Google Doc, complete it after this session, and uh, you'll be eligible for up to one hour CPD once you complete your self-reflection. It's a really easy task. And in the meantime, you know, if there's anything that pops up or any other questions that you guys may have on how can you use these six capabilities within your coaching, within your practice, feel free to reach out to either myself or Yaz via our um, via our Twitter handle. Oh, it looks like we've got one more question. Alyssa, how's it going? Might just have to unmute your mic. Oh, she's gone. Um, but just just to kind of build on what Gerard just said a few moments ago, guys. You know, obviously this is part of a series of spaces that we're going to be running, um, and we are um, also going to be running a, a webinar off the back end of these four spaces that we're doing, um, which will take place on the twenty sixth of January. So we're running a webinar and preparing for the UFC license on the twenty sixth of January. Um, for anyone looking to get the CPD hours, there is a cut-off point of the 28th of January for any of the spaces across the next three or four weeks that we're going to be running, um, at which point that will be when the hours are submitted. So if you have completed the self-reflection task for any of the sessions leading up to that date, um, please just be bear, uh, bear in mind and please be patient with us. Um, but they will take about three to four weeks off the back of 28th of Jan. Um, to get those reflected onto your fan numbers as well. So just a little bit of more information on that side of things. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Network. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.